Hello and welcome to the North American Guitars Talking Guitar Podcast. I'm your host, Ben, and in today's session, we're going to be catching up with the one and only Mr. Jason Costal of Costal Guitars. Jason is a dear friend of ours and was, in fact, one of the original three luthiers to join us back in 2010 when we started the business. We caught up just chatting about uh, how the COVID-19 pandemic has been affecting him, what it was like to build and deliver a phenomenal instrument for the 39th US President Jimmy Carter, and finally the staggering OM cutaway in Indian rosewood and German spruce that we just took delivery of. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, th- things are going good. I think the big thing, what I've figured out is that because a lot of other people are really struggling right now, you know, emotionally, financially. And um, this to me is, it's a change, it's difficult, but it hasn't necessarily been a struggle. So what I've been doing is trying to reach out to the people that I know that are having a difficult time and, you know, just trying to be there for them and talk to them and, you know, remind them that, you know, this is just kind of a moment in time and it all, you know, go, we will get through it and, and things will be better. So, um, so it's been, it's actually been a good thing for me because it's given me opportunities to reach out to people that maybe I haven't spoken with as much, you know, as I would like to. And, um, nobody can dodge your call right now because they're all at home, you know, <laughs> yeah, so, you know yeah. and, and they're just looking for something to do. So, you know, if you call, they're going to probably pick up. <laughs> is, is that, is that people in the community, in the, the Luthi community, or is that also just people in general? Both, both. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, family, friends, I mean, it's just, everybody is kind of impacted by it differently, you know? And, and, um, like I said, you know, for me, the, the unknown, the uncertainty, that's been most of my adult life. So it's not that it's not difficult. It's just my normal day-to-day existence is very easy to react to whatever the, the situation is as it changes. So as things change, I just go, okay, this is the new you know, situation, and then you just kind of make it a different approach to it. But I'm finding that a lot of people struggle with transitioning that quickly. So every little change or, or um, increase in, in stuff, you know, just makes people anxious and stressed. And so I'm just trying to, you know, be there for them. And, you know, each day I send a couple texts out to people or I call people and, and just check in on them. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I think as a, as a global community, I think we're all kind of doing that in some capacity. And so maybe, you know, we're, we're reuniting that connectivity, so to speak. You know? I like what you said a second ago, which we just missed, which was, um, and we should say just for the recording that this yeah. is a, a lockdown session. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One lonely Jason Costle. Um, no, I like what you were saying a second ago that, um, you know, this, you know, be, being, being told to do this and stay stay at home and being involved in a in a pandemic for you from your time in the military is just a that was that was like an everyday event. Yeah, you know, we we joke about it, but you know, service in the military really is you sign away your rights as a human being to a, a, a higher power. And um, I mean, I I can tell you thousands of times when you know plans were canceled and and you know you were told nope, you're not going to do that. You're going to do this instead and <laughs> So for the average person that's never really signed away their life in that capacity, this just feels like, how can they do that? And this isn't fair. And I'm just thinking like, well, you know, I'm getting paid a little bit better than I was getting paid in the military. And the results are the same. So I guess we'll just deal with it. <laughs> and that, and, and your, your, um, having been to your, your beautiful workshop, um, uh-huh. you're lucky the fact that it's, it's in your home. So, so yeah. I, has there been a time for you that has this time for you rather um, made you focus more? Has it made you appreciate the fact that um, the outside world kind of isn't going so crazy so you can actually hone in on things and, and utilize your time? Not yeah. better, because I know knowing you for you know yeah. years that you're great at utilizing time. I think um, I, I definitely, it's been a good time for me to be honest with you. I mean, I, again, it's all about perspective, right? Like you can, you can take what's happening. Um, you know, you can focus on the negative or you can choose to create positives out of it. And I guess that's what I'm doing. So, um, you know, having the shop in my home allows me to keep working. There's different facets of what I do that are not really 
able to be done right now. I mean, I've had issues where uh, the finished work, you know, isn't being able to be done because the person who does that there in lockdown, you know, and things like that. So there's, there's still kind of issues I'm dealing with, but you know, what I choose to do is like, okay, I'm going to build until I can't get past this point. Then I just start a different build or I go on to a different project. And I've had little issues here and there with inventory, like, you know, um, consumables, stuff that I would normally order just isn't available or the company that would ship them to me isn't an operation. And so you do the best you can, and then you just, when you get to a stopping point, you either figure out a new solution or you just go on to the next project. And that's kind of what I've been doing. Um, I've used this time to, to kind of do some work around the shop and, you know, kind of reorganize and, and get rid of some things, you know, that I've been meaning to do. I mean, I kind of the running joke is, you know, you have all these people that spend years saying, oh, if I just had like three weeks off from work, I'd clean the garage and I would do this. And now everybody has three weeks off of work and nobody's doing any of those things <laughs> that they're going to do. So what I'm trying to do is do all those things that, you know, for years I've said, man, if I just had like a month where I didn't have to, you know, just race against time, I could do these things. And I think what's been nice for me is that because not everybody knows that I work from home and everybody's dealing with their own stuff, it's kind of quieted the phone lines and, you know, the email traffic, like everybody's just kind of dealing with their own stuff. And mm -hmm. so that's given me a little bit of a respite to just kind of focus on guitar building and not worry so much about, you know, the normal interactions that I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, that's great. And that must be, um, so I, I, I guess you're, you're concentrating on, you know, obviously your bills, but you're gonna, you're gonna have like a little bit of a, yeah, your finish is gonna be inundated about four or five guitars then pretty much, you know. Yeah, but we've, we've talked about it and he's excited because he needs money, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Send them all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's, you know, it'll all work out. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I've had, um, you know, I've had a, a couple people in the queue you know, different clients where their work situations changed and the uncertainty in their own lives has changed and nobody's canceled, but people have said, oh, you know, can I push this back a little bit? And, mm -hmm. and you know, so I've, I've worked with them and, you know, I do whatever I can to help them out and then you just move on to the next instrument. So um, I'm fortunate in that I have work. I'm fortunate that I can work from home and, mm -hmm. You know, the, the thing too is nothing that I do is an instant gratification kind of thing. It's not like I work today and I get paid tomorrow. Yeah. So this is normally like a four month process. And so having the outside world be different for a month or two doesn't really put that much effect on me because I'm still just focusing on the four month process that I normally deal with, you know? So um, I think for the most part, I've been very fortunate, very lucky and, and things are going well. So that's why I do feel like I have a lot of mental energy to kind of put out there to try to help people that are in much worse situations than I am. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, uh, the, the, I, I, like yourself, am incredibly grateful that we're in, an, we're in an industry which is, you know, obviously creative uh, and there are people that are, are uh, at the moment have got time on their hands and they want to play guitar. And as soon as this, as soon as we knew that this was going to happen, and it was so weird because it was on a Friday. Um, we'd obviously heard the news that, that there may be people weren't going to be going to work and, uh, and all of that sort of stuff. And um, we had a discussion here, myself and Richard, and um, said, well, look, let's see what happens over the weekend and then we'll make a decision if you guys have to work from home for a week and just see how it goes. Um, and uh, before we did that on the Friday and the, on the Friday and the Saturday, we just filmed as much as we possibly could and just did it just created as much content as we possibly could in those sort of two three days right. and then for that week we were able to you know continue to put stuff out there and what was really interesting was uh, not necessarily that loads of sales started coming through but over, over this month the traffic on the site more people watching videos or yeah. doing doing a course that we might have done with tony or whatever um, is incredible and it's you know we're getting some really lovely comments about how much of a joy it is for someone to be on the site just to watch a video of Stuart playing one of your guitars for example 
you know. Well, like you said, you know, the big thing right now is people have time. And all these professionals that are buying these guitars, their biggest complaint is they don't get to enjoy them. Mm. And so now all of a sudden, I, I've been getting emails and, you know, and messages from people who are like, I just fit, you know, was able to learn this song that for 22 years, you know, I, I wanted to learn. And so people have the time right now. And, and, you know, the reality of it is that when you are in a situation like this for a musician, being with your instrument is kind of where you want to be. Um, you know, the professional musicians that I know are doing a lot of writing right now. Mm. The, the, you know, general hobbyists are just kind of sitting down and, and using the guitar as a release. So it is kind of a good time, you know, to introduce people to music and to new instruments and things like that. And I, I think people are starting to really appreciate the value that guitars and, and music in general bring into their lives in times like this, you know. It's that space, isn't it? It's that kind of, it's that headspace. It just takes yeah. you out of what's going yeah. on. It's, it's a very grounding force. Pardon? It's a very grounding force. Yeah, yeah. Every time you turn the, the, the news on, that you know, you're, you're, you're reading really, you know, horrifyingly sad news about, you know, people passing away and the economy, et cetera, et cetera. So to be able to sit in a room and play an instrument that brings you so much joy, exactly. that's really, really the key. Um, and it, and it's... Um, it's amazing to get positive feedback from, from, from people. Yeah. Um, so you have had, uh, it always, <laughs> you, you've hit like another um, phenomenal milestone in your career that I just had to, we had to have a quick chat about. You just delivered an instrument to uh, an ex-president of the United States of America. Yes. Yeah, I, I delivered a, a guitar to Jimmy Carter. Which How does that feel to deliver a guitar to a president, Jimmy Carter? I mean, that must... It, it was How did that come about, and, and what did that feel like seeing him holding it? It, it, was, it was such a wonderful experience. I, I really... I had hoped to deliver it in person. This has been kind of an ongoing thing uh, for months, and the original plan was to deliver it back in November, and then the project kind of got delayed because he had surgery and had some health issues and stuff. So we pushed it off till March and I was focusing on kind of a March delivery. And then I was told, well, it, it might be closer to June or July, but I got the guitar done. And, you know, my thought process was, okay, well, if it's not going anywhere from June or, you know, until June or July, I'll use this and go to the Holy Grail guitar show and the artisan show and all these guitar shows with it so that people could see this guitar that I built for this president. And then the shows got canceled. And then a week later, um, his staff basically contacted us and said, can you ship the guitar now? And <laughs> so I was like, okay. So um, sent the guitar off to Georgia, uh, to Todd Lundberg out there. And um, basically, you know, the only thing I, I didn't want to have any asks or any requests because the reality is this isn't about me. You know, it has, it has nothing to do about me. Um, but I did say, you know, I would really be grateful if I could just get a photograph with him with the guitar. And they said, we can probably figure that out. We'll work it out. And um, about two days before the, the guitar arrived on a Friday and Todd texted me and said, it's being delivered on Tuesday at three o'clock. And I was like, wow, that's really fast. And then on Sunday, I think they reached out to Todd and asked if he would do like a private concert for them. And so he, um, he scheduled a, he, he's a guitar player. He's a finger style guitar player, but he, they wanted him to sing as well. And he's like, yeah, I don't do that. So he, <laughs> found, he found a vocalist to basically sing with him. And then the day before she called him and said, you know, I'm not feeling very well. And given the situation, like, I don't think I can participate. So like the day before his vocalist backed out. So then he decided, well, I'll just go and do a, a you know, a finger style, like instrumental concert for them. And then the day that day before he said, you know, the Carters would really like to FaceTime with you so that you can be part of this experience. And I said, that would be amazing. So, amazing. So he went out there, he delivered the instrument. They set up, uh, a little area for him to sit, you know, and, and he performed for them. And then, you know, I got to do a FaceTime call with, with Mr. Carter and with his wife, Miss Rosalind. And they were just, they were super gracious, you know, very genuine people. I, I think when you meet people of that caliber, you never know if it's just this practiced, you know, uh, sincerity. And in some cases, maybe there might not even be sincerity, but 
you know, it's it, this this politician constantly, you know, commensurate politician is is like, are you going to have this experience where you walk away going, okay, that that didn't matter to them, they have no idea, <laughs> and it was the exact opposite. I mean, it, he he was very sincere, very genuine, very engaging. Um, you know, it just it was a really nice conversation. Um, and then Miss Roslyn kind of got on the call and she was wonderful. So it was just, it was wonderful to talk to both of them and realize that the, the man that we see publicly who is out there kind of doing everything he can to make the world a better place is genuinely who he is as a person. Um, Cause this was a private call. This wasn't, you know, like how many people are, are watching and things like that. So I do believe that what I experienced was the, the sincerity of who he is as a person. So it was just a really great opportunity um, and just exciting to, you know, to know, like you said, it's, it's definitely a milestone. Um, it's an exciting thing to talk about and, and we'll just kind of wait and see where things go from there. Well, I mean, you and your family must be so proud having served in the military for your country and then to have delivered, to have gone into a completely different career path and to have delivered you know, yeah. your president, uh, well, the president, that, that's, that's amazing. Well, I have know, to ask you, what, what were the, what, what were the, uh, what were the specs? So it was really kind of left up to me. Um, the issue was I was sent three sets of wood. So this is a tree that President Carter planted on his farm 20 years ago. So he planted the trees himself, a couple acres of it. Um, basically fell this tree and then cut it up into usable wood and then I got sent three sets so the wood itself came from you know his farm it was a tree that he planted so there's this great connection you know to the wood and to the story but the sets of wood that I was that I was sent um, one was a pretty large set that I, I could have maybe even gotten a, a modified dreadnought out of but the other two sets were a little bit smaller more like classical size so I used the the biggest one and I thought the OM was kind of the most versatile guitar to make out of this wood. And then one of the other sets I used, cause I needed like head cap material and, and inlay material and stuff like that. And so um, I ended up kind of using one and a half sets of the wood to build the guitar, but it's, you know, it's just a standard non cutaway OM uh, German spruce top, but it has this Pallonia back and sides, um, beautiful aged Honduran mahogany, uh, neck and, and Gaboon Ebony fingerboard. So I, I tried to use just kind of the best of all the materials. It wasn't, there was nothing that was like, oh, this is my most secret special top <laughs> by the Pope or anything like that. It was just, I wanted, I knew it was going to be highly visible. So I wanted it to be high quality materials. And I kind of chose the best of everything, but with the exception of the, the back and sides, there's no magical story, you know, or unicorn tears of anything, you know. Um, it looked, I mean, you know, it did look, obviously, as all your guitars do, it looked, looked beautiful, but it also looked very pure. It looked like a very yeah, pure yeah. instrument, which I thought was... And it, and it sounded really good. And, and that's that was the big issue with this wood. It's, it's an unknown commodity, you know, and um, the wood itself was very fibrous. It, it, I tell people it felt like holding cardboard. You know, I mean, it had that texture, like, to my fingers, and it, it, when you tapped it, it sounded like if I took a cardboard box and tapped it, that was the sound you got out of it. And so, you know, there are other woods like that. So it's not, it wasn't like, uh-oh, is this going to make a good guitar? But you don't know. And so for me, the OM is one of those guitars where I know so much of how I build the OM and how I can create different sounds that using that model allowed me to kind of constrain all the other factors of the build. Mm -hmm. So the only variable was the back and sides. And as I was building with it and I would start to hear different things, it made me, I think, in a, it put me in a better position to adapt the guitar to what I was trying to get. But when I strung it up, I mean, I'll be the first to tell you, I was probably more amazed than anybody, you know, <laughs> um, you know, most people, they, they just, they hear the guitar, they go, wow, that's a great guitar, but we expected that from you, but they don't understand that every step of the way, I was like, uh-oh, you know, how, <laughs> how do I fix this and how do I do this? So, um, so that was, that was neat for me because once again, it didn't allow me to build on like autopilot, like I had to really be engaged with the build and listen to what I was hearing and, and then process, okay, here's what I hear now, how do I, you know, do this? So, 
And were, so you, were you fearful at all? Uh, the fact that you, you, you said you were set, sent three sets. So were you fearful at all that if they'd broken or you'd had issues? Oh, with yeah. Them? You'd have to be like, uh, President Carson, could you send yeah, exactly. another yes. three yes. sets? I, I'm a dumbass. Could you please send more wood? You know, yeah. Um, so, so that's, that's the, part of it. But, oh, go on, go on. Oh, I was going to say, but that's the benefit to having worked with the tree is that's kind of the same situation, right? That's more of a financial thing. Like if I break it, hey, here's $50,000. Can I get another head cap, you know? Um, but so I'm, I'm used to working with woods that kind of create a lot of anxiety in you. And so that was the benefit to this is what I've learned is that if I really focus on the, the stress level of what could go wrong, I usually make it go wrong. And so I've learned to just kind of shut my brain off during those experiences. And so in this case, like when I was bending it, I was like, all right, it's a piece of wood. Here are the, the properties of the wood. So I'm just going to bend it the way I would anything else. And it worked fine. So, um, but you, there is that part of it. Like, I don't want to be the guy that, you know, just destroyed this. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, yeah, I mean, it worked out great, but you just can't think about stuff like that. Congratulations, Jason. I mean, it's oh, amazing. I'd say to, to have uh, an instrument in uh, a museum and then now to have yeah. it in the hands of a president, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. And, and I'm still alive. I mean, normally you have to be yeah, dead yeah. of honors, you know? So it's like, I get to actually enjoy them, you know? And, uh, and it's, it's funny, you know, you, you mentioned like, oh, your family must be so proud. I, you know, I love my family to death. They're, they're the most important people in my life. But of course, like right when I got the news that I was going to be building this guitar, I made a call to my mom and then I made a call to my dad and both of them without batting an eye went, I didn't vote for him. <laughs> like, I was like, come on. Like, guys, as far as I know, no one else in the costal lineage ever in history has ever done anything of notoriety. I, and like you said, I'm in a museum, I'm in books, I'm now building for a present. Could somebody just say, wow, that's really amazing, congratulations. Tap on the back, Dad. But, but it's like right off the bat, it was like, well, I didn't vote for him. Why would you want to build him a guitar? It's like, come on. So I wanted just to say, the two, so you just delivered two awesome guitars to us. You brought, delivered the, the, the ONC, yep. and you also delivered a guitar to James, which is yep. the FDW. Yes. Both of those rosettes, both of those stained glass yep. rosettes and engraft were so cool. I mean, I felt, I felt like a bit of a kid in a, in a toy shop when I was opening on my own. That was a funny thing. I was doing the unboxing on my own here. <laughs> And, then, and I'm literally talking to it, just to talking to my phone, and just felt like a complete prat as I was doing it. But I was—that reminds me of some of the concerts I used to do. What? So that reminds me of some of the concerts or performances <laughs> yes. I used to do, where yeah. it's just you, the microphone, and guitar, and you're like, "Oh, let me tell you a story." <laughs> but I, as I was looking, I was going, "Oh God, that's so cool! They looked awesome." How um, have you? Are you trying? Are you, are you experimenting more with yeah, yeah. so um comes across the so the the normal method for my rosettes is i i do uh, basically dyed epoxy resin you know so i i um use a vacuum chamber and it basically gets wicked into the wood and it stabilizes the wood it's great the issue is i've been having issues more with like the first ones that i did 10 15 years ago but the dye doesn't oxidize well. So you do this vibrant red rosette and the guitar comes back in a couple years later for a setup and you're like, why is it all brown? You know, cause it's like the reds in that dye just didn't hold. Mm. So a couple years ago I switched to um, kind of a museum quality aniline dye, which is supposed to keep its color a lot better. And it, for the most part it does. I haven't noticed any degradation of the colors so far in the last four or five years. But I started thinking to myself, one of the issues with that is the color you get is based on whatever the foundation is. So, you know, wood is not white. You're not using a, a pure white background. You're using a yellow background or a tan background. And I remember a client that um, you had or a client that I had commissioned through you uh, years ago that really wanted seafoam green. And I could make the seafoam green dye. But the minute I added it to maple of any capacity, it was no longer seafoam green. And he kept going, that's not seafoam green. I'm like, I, uh, 
<laughs> you know, and so um, what you realize is that I can create colors and very vibrant rosettes, but I'm still limited by the foundation of the wood itself. Mm. And I don't want to go to unnatural materials. I like the fact that I don't use anything other than wood, but I have started using acrylics in the, the rosette making. And so mm. I can take a, a set of wood that has a lot of pockets or voids in it and fill it with resin, like an epoxy resin or acrylic, and that is its own color. It's its own opaque you know, color. And so what's cool is when you start to cut it up, you have that natural wood coupled with like the vibrant colors of this you know, dyed mm. material. And it just gives, I think, a really cool look. Um, it really does. I remember the blocks. I remember when I came through, so you had yeah, the blocks. And, yeah. and I'm trying to be smart about it because there's some that I've created that I just think are super cool, but I'm like, that would look really ridiculous as a rosette. So I'm trying not to use those, but then there's the part of me that's like, no, I must use them. You go do it. But it's, uh, it's been fun. And, and again, I think, you know, part of, I think what most luthiers deal with is we get into this pattern of here's what we build, you know, this is the guitar that we build. And I, there's some builders out there that build one model. And, and if you're doing that over and over and over again, your joy of that process kind of wanes a little bit. And mm. so for me doing little things like this, you're like, let me try this, let me try this it's not a big enough deal that it's changing the guitar itself, but it means there's a different process that I get to kind of think about and figure out and stuff. And it just makes it more enjoyable for me. So for right now, I've been slowly kind of integrating that new method into the rosettes to see how it's received. You know, if people are like, oh, that looks really stupid, then I could be like, that was a one-time thing, you know, and you just go back to the old stuff. But I think so far people are really enjoying the different colors and stuff. Definitely, so. yeah, definitely. Really, it, they pop, especially the, you get really great photography. Yeah. And, um, and with the black background, um, which I'm always slightly jealous of. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they, and, and they, the colors just pop so yeah. brilliantly. Um, but yeah, I get that. I mean, for, for you, for you um, knowing you well and, and, and knowing how hard you work, it, there must be times when if you are doing, you know, doing things repeatedly that, you know, to get, to get something new that inspires you a little bit, like even when you're doing it thinking, oh, I can't wait to see what this looks like. And then when it comes yeah. back to the finish, go, oh, I did not expect it to look like that sort of thing. Right. Um, the next time you do it for the next instrument, it, it just, and, it, and I guess that will trickle into the rest of the build as well. It does. It's so, you know, there are some people, I think of like Michi Matsuda, he's always my example, because in my opinion, he's like the Bob Dylan of guitar makers. Yeah, 100%. And I, as a songwriter, you know, I'd be lucky if once every three years I write a new song, and yet they talk about Bob Dylan would sit down and in like one day he has 300, you know, number <laughs> one hits. And Michi, now this may not be true, but in my impression of him, Michi sits down and it's like every idea is an incredible idea executed flawlessly. You know, and you just go, man, how awesome is that? Mine tend to be more of a journey. I, I start with an idea <clears throat> and, and do it. And then that usually morphs into like, oh, I could use the same concept for this. And then I could do it for this. And what happens is over six months, that initial idea becomes the foundation of something that becomes more of a permanent thing. So for me, it's, it's always a work in progress. So I like these moments because it's an opportunity to kind of take my thinking in a different direction mm. and see what comes out of it. So um, I agree with that. Yeah, I, it, it's, it's uh, one thing that this, this sort of lockdown has, um, which is slightly heartbreaking, was that we had just completed, well, Mitchie had just completed a, a commission for us and we didn't get to see the guitar. Oh. We didn't get to see the guitar or to take any photos and it went straight to the customer and then the uh the customer said listen when it's over i'll ship the guitar back to you oh that's nice so i was like thank you so much because it's so sad to not yeah not, not at least held it once you know right. <laughs> played it once um but no but that that um and and we see so many beautiful sets of tone woods coming through um but i've got you know i've got to say that that indian rosewood yeah, MC is amazing. It's it's yeah. probably one of the nicest sets of Indian rosewood I have seen yeah. for a it, really long time. I know that I find myself, as I'm sure we all do, repeat. You feel you're repeating yourself. Like this is such a stunning set, you know. But right, 
it really was because it was so straight grain and it had like rather it has a, a kind of like a purplish hue to it and that's and that's why i use the purple for the rosette because when i that set there's a lot of purple in indian rosewood but then when you put finish on it it becomes brown Mm. So that's what I'm used to. But this had like reds and purples and even oranges in it that I knew were going to stay under finish. And mm. so the rosette was my way of trying to draw that color out a little bit more. Mm. But you're right. That's a, I mean, it was perfectly quarter sawn oh. um, and just very vibrant. It, it, it had colors in it that you just don't normally see. And, mm. and it sounded great, too. And it's, you know, we joke that Indian rosewood is like the exotic tone would we all wish we would have bought more of. <laughs> because 20 years ago, it was the most readily available and inexpensive wood on the planet. So nobody stockpiled it because you just thought, oh, if I need it, I just pick up the phone and for $50, I get a set. And that doesn't exist anymore. You know what I mean? It's more expensive. The quality isn't as good. And so I have some sets that I've had for years, and, and that was one of them. And, you know, I pulled it out. I'm like, okay, this is the one. But you know, it's like you look at it and you're like, God, I wish I could just get more of this. You know, like I wish it was available. Um, and, and it is somewhere out there, but not in my hands. So. Yeah. Um, and so what are you, what's, what have you got on the bench at the moment? What are you sort of finishing so up? At, at the moment, I've got four guitars, two of which are, are coming your way. Yeah. Um, so I've got the ones being built for you. One is a, um, an MDW out of Honduran Rosewood. Oh. Uh, and that's gone to one of your clients. The other is a um, a jumbo in highly figured flame mahogany. Oh man, I mean, which is yeah. incredible. And then I've got a um, an MDC in uh, Madagascar. One of these days, Jason. Just to interrupt you, so one of these days, I'm going to commission the guitar that we're about to bring in. That very figured mahogany jumbo. Okay. That that for me would be a dream instrument. Yeah, I, 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 I think that would be a perfect fit for you and for, you know, for nearly double the normal retail price. You know, the, the figured mahogany, that's just a new thing to me. And I don't, I don't know if I was um, blind to it. I mean, I, I don't remember ever seeing it as a guitar player, you know, in the first 30 years or so that I played guitar, I don't remember ever seeing a guitar with, highly figured mahogany. And, and then, you know, a couple of years ago, I guess it would have been about 2010, I was at the Woodstock show and Tom Teal, who's a wood supplier, had a whole bunch. Um, I was very interested in it, but then Ken Parker came over, pushed me out of the way and bought up the entire <laughs> supply. And, and, and Tom kind of gave me like a, a set as like a consolation prize because, you know, I was too in awe of Ken Parker to push him back out of the way and, and buy some. Um, but that was the first time I ever remember seeing it, you know, and, and, and then Tom cut up a bunch and it got shipped out to a couple different suppliers, but I bought up quite a few sets of it. I mean, I, I probably have another, I don't know, five or six sets of it, but it's, it's like 5A flame. I mean, it, it's literally the, the highest quality, tightest, most consistent straight yeah. flame, and yet it's mahogany. So, I mean, you have this incredible balanced tonality to it as well. And I, mahogany is kind of a new thing to me. I, and I think we've talked about this before. I grew up playing rosewood guitars. I just, you know, there was something about rosewood that I liked. And it wasn't until I got a pre-war Martin that was a mahogany guitar that I played it and so and I thought, wow, okay, now I get what people are talking about. And then I started building out of mahogany and it's become one of my favorite woods. I I love sometimes the simplicity of just a perfect set of like Honduran mahogany, but the flame, the figure in, in this wood just adds that wow factor. So you still get the tone, but now you get this like really cool thing to look at as well. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Oh, yeah, it's an exciting guitar. And what, and what, what are the other two that you've got? Going the other two, I have an MD, an MDC out of Madagascar Rosewood, and then I have a, um, an OMC out of Indian Rosewood um, as well, which that one's kind of a special project. It's, uh, it was commissioned by a father for his son, who is supposed to be or is graduating from West Point in a couple weeks. And he knew that I was a graduate of West Point and his son is a musician. 
So this was like a graduation gift to his son. And so it felt very special to be able to build something for this uh, young man who is getting ready to embark on a career in the military. So, oh, um, yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. So it was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it's four beautiful guitars. Um, it's neat because it's a you know, two OM, I'm sorry, a, uh, an MD, an MDC, a jumbo, and an OM. So if I added a double O to the mix, I'd be building one of every one of my guitars, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of cool. That's super cool. Um, and uh, you delivered a gorgeous, I believe it was an OMC, I can't remember what the back and sides were, to, is it Frank in, in Italy? Oh yeah, Gianfranco. Gianfranco. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was that was a beautiful guitar, Madagascar rosewood. Yeah. Um, and that was fun. He came out. He's and, a great guy. He is a. Oh, really he's 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 just very genuine, very sincere. Um, he came out to visit um a while back, and he hand selected the set of wood. He was so excited about it, and then um, you know, he, we did the built the guitar that he flew back out for the delivery of it and and so it was just really exciting um you know when somebody's like hey i'm gonna cross the the ocean you know twice just to come be a part of this like that was pretty neat for me um and he also gifted me this amazing chunk of like 18 year aged parmesan you know and, <laughs> and I, so he's just like i know you love to cook and so i've been enjoying that nonstop. so that was probably the best part of the whole thing. Like, I'm glad he likes the guitar, but I got this amazing chunk of Parmesan cheese. Out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you have such a great, I was talking about you the other day and just how you have such a lovely communication with your customers via social media. Social media for you is, um, it's such an honest, it, it seems so honest and genuine. And I, yeah. don't, I don't mean that in, a non-honest way i mean i mean that when you when you post things there, there's so much um there's just so much heart behind it and right. and then you see the reaction of the customer and then like for example Gianfranco, then sharing pictures of him playing the guitar and clips yeah. it's like oh, that's that's really what it is all about you know and it's um it's lovely to see it's um very genuine it's it's fun because I view Instagram as something that you use to reach people that you don't know. It's, you know, because it, you're putting it out there and people are searching by a hashtag or an interest. And so that to me is less genuine. You know, it's just like, oh, here you go. Here's what I do. Um, and maybe you interest some people. Facebook is for people I'm already connected to. And so it's more me just telling the stories. And in that regard, there are ups and downs. You know, there are some days it's like, here's how wonderful things went today and look at me and give me the pat on the back. And other days it's like, hey, I'm picking myself up off the floor. You know, <laughs> things didn't go well. But <clears throat> I think people enjoy that connection. And <clears throat> for me, the guitar is symbolic of the journey that I take with those clients. And, and I attribute it to like, I remember, you know, studying martial arts for most of my life, I always thought of attaining a black belt, earning a black belt in the martial art was like, oh, you're the master and you've achieved things. And I had a, an instructor one time that said a black belt basically means you've mastered the basics and you're now ready to be taught. And I think it's how you perceive that journey, right? Like, so with that black belt, I thought, oh, once I get my black belt, that's the end of the journey. And I think a lot of luthiers view once I deliver the guitar, that's the end of the journey. For me, delivery of the guitar is the beginning of the journey. You know, it's like we've, we've built this relationship as the guitar is being built. Now that you have it, that's not the end of the road. It's the beginning of this adventure that you're about to embark on. And I want to be a part of it. And I want to stay connected with you. And so in that regard, I do feel very fortunate because many of my clients I still stay in touch with. And we don't talk about guitars. We talk about everything else, you know. So they're genuine friendships. I do have people that I'll never hear from again, and that's fine. You know, we all kind of deal with this differently. And, and there's somewhere I wish I would have handled that interaction better. You know, I mean, there are times where I was really busy and I realized I didn't give that client my full undivided attention all the time because I was focused on my own stuff. So, you know, I'm trying to get better about that. But what I'm realizing is that each of these guitars much like the one in the museum is a legacy for me. And they're going to tell my story long after I'm gone, no matter where they end up. And so I want 
to maintain that story and I want to maintain that journey with other people um, so that as they're passing these guitars down, there's still that personal connection when they're telling their kids about how they commissioned this guitar from me and what it meant and things like that. And um, so Gianna Franco is definitely one of those, you know, people. He's just, he was just a really kind person that I'm grateful to be able to call friend, you know? So it's like the guitar brought us together, but you know, I'm, the guitar is like, okay, great. That's out there, but I have a really good friendship now and that's pretty neat. Well, it was just awesome, you know, when uh, you said that he was in, in London for the day and it was just like, well, just come down to the showroom. And he just came down the showroom just to, because I don't, I don't think he'd ever actually managed to play one of your instruments. For he'd never played one, no. Uh -uh. And, and, and it was just like, yeah, come, just come on down, just play, just play for as long as you want. And I remember him sitting there for pretty much all day, just giving him cups of coffee, always like very strong coffee. Um, and just let him play and, and, and uh, to then, but for me, you know, just someone coming into the shop and then, you know, meeting them for that day, maybe connecting on Facebook, but then seeing the guitar materialize and he was going, oh, I've got this amazing set of wood and it's going to be this and I can't wait. And so, um, yeah, it was a really beautiful thing to, to see. Yeah, yeah no, I, I appreciate that. And it, it was nice too, because you, you became a go-to place for him and you also didn't try to do a hard sell on him. It was just, hey, come into our showroom, enjoy what we have. If I can help you out, that's great. And I think in that regard, you've created a relationship that'll last a lifetime as well because he knows he can come back to you for any of his needs down the road and feel comfortable doing so. You know, he doesn't feel like, oh my gosh, I, I sat down on that couch and three people surrounded me and, you know, so, it, it, and that's, that's one of the beautiful things about TNAG is that, you know, essentially people get to show up there and they're playing on, on that couch. So it feels like they're in their own living room, you know, just having a great time. Um, and yet you get to just pick some of the world's greatest guitars off the wall over and over and over again. So it's, it's been, it's been a really weird, you know, this whole, you know, this last seven odd weeks, you know, since I mean, I've been here on my own for, like I said, the next week will be the eighth week. Mm -hmm. um, and other than, in a weird way, I've fallen more in love with my job again. Like, like not that I wasn't always in love with my job, but just taking time to, like I'll be working in the office, like you're in the office bit here, and then I'll walk into the showroom and I'll spend, you know, time in the showroom appreciating and actually playing, having a bit of time to actually play the instruments. And, um, yeah, that's been a, a really like humbling uh, experience for me. And it felt, it f almost felt like, like you were saying, as, 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 as sad and as, as, as horrific as the situation that we find ourselves is, is it, that it is, that we're in. Um, there's actually been a bit of a, I like the pause that it's created. And, right. and in a weird way, like obviously we're still working really hard, we're still creating as much content we can, we're still shipping guitars out to customers speaking to customers all day every day but there's just feels like there's a little bit more of a calmness to everything and yeah I, to the feel for me personally i feel i've never felt more connected to teenage yeah because i've been here on my own i've shipped and boxed every single guitar sent out in the last you know two months when i <clears throat> when i was in the military i was going through a course um that had like an 80 percent attrition rate and um, it, was, it, it was horrible, it was miserable in every capacity that you could think of, physically, emotionally, whatever. And I was going through in the winter time and people were ending up with hypothermia and <clears throat> you would <clears throat> be sweating and all of a sudden you'd stop for five minutes and your uniform would literally freeze like, cause the sweat was freezing, cause it was below freezing. And um, I remember one day one of the instructors climbed us to the top of this mountain. We'd been awake for like two and a half days and we were all zombies and we got to the top of this mountain and he stopped us and just said, look out at this, at what you see before you. And, and you know, we're all just, we were hungry and tired. So it's like, what is he talking about? And then you stop and look and you realize how beautiful it is when you take the time to recognize that. And his comment to us is like, for the rest of your career, you're going to end up in some of the most horrible places in the world, but you always have to take a moment to appreciate where you are and how you got there and appreciate the beauty 
that's there right in front of you, whether you recognize it or not. And I think right now what you're dealing with is you've built TMAG from the little one room, you know, thing with a couple guitars where, you know, people are going out to hand, you know, like hand show them to the clients. <clears throat> now you have showrooms and you have, you know, clients all over the world and things like that. And you can get so inundated with the day-to-day -day operations of the company that you don't often have a moment to step back and say, man, look at our showroom and look at the guitars that we carry and the people we represent and the relationships we've built. And I think that's so important because that's what gets you through the really difficult times, you know? So I think right now you're experiencing a little bit of that. And I hope that you keep doing that, you know, and keep looking around you and going, man, we've created something very special here because that's true. Uh, I'm kind of, Gosh, you always do it, Jason. You, every time we end up talking with each other, I end up sort of slightly choking up. Um, well, yeah, you know, thanks again. Thank you for saying that. Um, it is a, uh, I think that, yeah, just appreciate and absolutely love what, you know, receiving guitars, like the, the instruments we were talking about that you delivered to us, the, you know, that Laskin that turned up. I mean, that's the first guitar I ever got from Grit. And right. I, lit, I mean, I quite literally nearly shed a tear when I opened the cake because it was just so astronomically beautiful. Um, and not just, you know, sonically and tonally, yeah. it, was, it was just unreal. It's, um, so I, I owned Alaskan uh, for a while, a Brazilian, uh, Brazilian Rosewood Alaskan, and, and Grit is a very dear friend. And I, it's funny, I told him this story one time, and then after I was done telling him the story, I felt like, I feel like I just came across like a complete idiot. But what I said to him is, and, and I tell this to everybody, we're so enamored with Grit's inlay work. And I, I'll be the first person to tell you there's no one on the planet that comes close to him. Mm -hmm. But we always talk about the inlay work and we often forget that he is an incredible world-class builder. And when I got the, the guitar that I got, the, the Brazilian Rosewood OM, it was one of the finest sounding guitars I've ever played in my entire life. Yeah. The inlay was stunning, but I just, I, and I remember sitting down and playing it and almost being shocked because I hadn't thought of him as the guitar builder. I thought of him as the inlay guy. So, and all of a sudden I'm holding this thing in my hands going, my God, this guy is amazing. <laughs> when we finish this, when we finish this call, I'm going to send you and I would, Please don't share it publicly. But there is a clip of, I, I, the camera was still running after I did the unboxing video. And I just, I'm just sat there playing it. And I'm literally, I'm playing it and I'm going, oh. Yeah. Oh, and then I looked at the camera and I didn't realize I did it. And I went, oh, wow, you know. <laughs> um, and it is, it, you're absolutely right. You know, whilst we are so focused on just how insanely good the inlay work is yeah sonically yeah um the the guitar straight out of the case was just like so full and lush yeah. and these overtones that are just like what is going on there um yeah no uh just a just a genius and and we had the funniest chat yesterday so i'm trying to do you know now as we're kind of getting i think well slowly people are getting unlocked and coming out <laughs> over the next sort of you know few months i just i wanted to reach out just to a bunch of our of our luthiers and just drop in and say hi really and just, yeah, yeah. just have a chat and then you know just see talk about what, what's going on in your life um and we did that with grit yesterday and Man, he had me in absolute hysterics. He's just he's, so a good, he's a good guy. I took an inlay class with him in Austria. He mentions you. And, mentions you. and, and um, you know, you're talking about a guy here that, like, my drawing experience is, you know, a couple stick figures and maybe, like, a, you know, a tree in the forest or something. And quite literally, the inlay project we were given was you're going you're gonna to essentially draw a woman off of a photograph, inlay it into a, a fingerboard and then etch it and everything else. I can tell you unequivocally, Grit does not have to worry about competition from me because my woman looked like a turtle. So, you know, I mean, there were other people in the class that clearly have talent. I was not one of them. And it's funny because 
because people know I took that class, everybody's like, oh, I want you to do this in a way of this and that. And then it's like, no, 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 no. I, I have the knowledge. I do not have the ability nor the experience. And I promise that you do not want to pay what I would have to charge you to try to do an inlay. And, and afterwards, you'd be like, well, it's interesting. We, we asked for a hummingbird. I'm not quite sure what's on the fingerboard, but maybe you know, kind of a, a Picasso-esque you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. What I can say is the rest of your orders would probably get slightly pushed back if you had to focus yes. on to me. Yeah, yeah. But so, so I always tell Grit, like, he has no concern about me, you know, stepping up to the plate and taking business away from him. So. I think you do yourself down, Jason. No, really? no, not in this case. Not in this situation, not at all. Man, well, I know you've got an appointment to go to. Yep. Uh, been 50 minutes so um i just want to say i'm so glad to see you looking so well and yeah you too that you're you're still so busy it's amazing to see so many of our of, of the luthiers we represent still so hard working hard in these crazy times i know not everybody can get to their workshop yeah but you know it is um yeah, it's, 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 again, as always, as I always say, it's incredibly humbling and you just create the most masterful pieces um, well, every, each and every time. And it really felt like I, it, if uh, we, we can end up going on all along here, but it really did feel that that, I know I'm rabbiting on a bit about that, Owen, but it felt like you were not saying at the top of your game, but like it felt like it was really fresh. It felt... This is a super vibrant, exciting instrument. It is, and, and, and I've talked about it before, and I, I don't mean this negatively, but when I do commission guitars, I'm given constraints. You know, I'm, I'm basically told, hey, here's the set of wood, here's what I want it to do, here's what my expectations are. And so every step of the build is not so much me doing what I want to do, it's me doing what the client wants me to do. And sometimes that's in line with what I want to do, and sometimes it isn't. But that's what my obligation is in that moment. These spec guitars, you basically say to me, make this model, have at it, and then I get to take it wherever I want to go with it. And, and again, kind of that idea of wanting to create something that is fun for me and exciting, like that opens up opportunities for me to take that build wherever I think it needs to go. And, and that's kind of what you're asking for when you commission an artist of any kind. You know, if, if I, I had an analogy given to me years ago when I was at Urban Shop, like if I want to commission a family portrait, you look at all the different artists and you find one that you like. But then once you find one that you like, you don't sit behind the artist and be like, can you paint this this way? Can you do yeah. this this way? You have to let the artist do what they do. And these spec guitars for me are the very truest form of allowing me to do that because I get to jump in and, and take it wherever I want. And then at the end of it, I give it to you and go, here's what you get. And, and so it's exciting, exciting for, for us. Yeah. Well, but so it means that for a guitar like this, I, I had no constraints. And so as I was building, I'm like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And, and that's exciting for me. So these guitars are, are really enjoyable for me to do because I get to, to do what I want to do. Well, man, on that note, we love what you do. So well, thank you. you take, take care and you too. just stay, uh, healthy and, uh, stay safe and uh, yeah. hopefully we'll see you soon. All right. We'll chat soon. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.